Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with our listeners again today. We're so thankful to have this opportunity to be with you each day, Monday through Friday, opening up God's Word and digging a little bit deeper, studying a little bit more closely, and learning a little bit more. Since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17 Our time together each day in God's Word is of paramount importance to the growing and strengthening of our faith, to our faith staying strong, but it also helps us to stay connected with God, our Creator, our loving Heavenly Father, and also to stay focused upon our souls. And it helps us to maintain a more spiritual and productive mindset to be able to deal with all that life throws at us, and life throws a lot at us. Well, we want to encourage you to help others in your life get into God's Word and grow in their faith and focus on their relationship with God. Tell them about this program, Search the Scriptures. Encourage them to tune in and listen. Now, many people cannot tune in on the prescribed times or at the prescribed times when this program airs over the radio waves because they're working or they have other chores to take care of, whatever the case might be. We understand that. But you can encourage them, and you can do this yourself as well. Go to our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to our podcast button, click on that, sign up for our podcasting. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive Search the scriptures every day to your smart device, whichever one you choose. Could be your, your smartphone or your computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be. You'll automatically receive this radio program, Search the Scriptures, every day, Monday through Friday. Then you can download it and listen to it anytime at your convenience. But you'll also receive a lot more by way of studying God's Word. There's a great short, about a 13-minute Bible study each day that we call today's Bible class. And you'll receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, and all of our sermons. While you're at our website at churchofchrist.com, you can download and listen to hundreds of sermons. And those are now being posted in video format as well as audio. And you can download and read and study through literally hundreds of articles that are scripturally based and spiritually focused. All of this is there for your use. It's all free. It always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. So take advantage of that opportunity and encourage everybody you can to do the same. Churchofchrist.com and tell people about this program. We're going to get back into our study on the existence of God, and we're coming down toward the end of this particular study. This is actually the fifth section in this study, talking about from a logical, analytical, reasonable perspective, line of thinking, that the evidence of God's existence is overwhelming. We talked about in the first four sections of this examination study, We talked about the fact that morality, the existence of real morality, a basic standard of morality, requires a moral lawgiver. And the only moral lawgiver that would qualify 
to really lay out that basic standard of morality that everybody accepts, basically, is God. It cannot be humankind. It cannot be nations, governments, because we're all over the place. We keep changing and so on. Now, the same is true in another section that we, on which we focused on goodness. We all recognize that there is basic goodness in the world that all of us would look at and say, yes, that is good. And we see a counter to that, which we would say is evil or wickedness, and that is the opposite of goodness. Well, for goodness to truly prevail, then there has to be a source of goodness. And just as with morality, that cannot be humankind because we change our minds all the time. We're wishy-washy. Cannot be nations, governments, because, again, they're made up of human beings. But there is a higher standard of both morality and goodness, and that is God. God is the only author of true goodness and true morality. Well, then we talked about how in ancient writings in the Old Testament scriptures, thousands of years, in many cases, before we came to figure them out from our intellectual, scientific learning and knowledge and reasoning, those ancient writers wrote down facts that are absolute scientific facts, such as the earth is hanging in the, in the uh, atmosphere, in the universe, on its own, based upon the laws of the universe. And also the earth is a ball, it is, ro it is round. And a number of those facts we pointed out that were there in ancient Old Testament scripture when pretty much nobody else in the world knew about those things or believed in those things. But they were right there. How did, how did those ancient writers know about those things that we took thousands of years to finally figure out and learn for ourselves? God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God's very word, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. God was the source of that knowledge and guided those ancient writers of scripture to write those very facts down. And then later on, <laughs> humanity as a whole figured those things out and said, wow, the earth really is round. It's not flat. It really is hanging in the, in the uh, uh, universe itself, supported on nothing. Certainly not the back of a giant turtle or being held up by some giant mythological god with a lowercase g. Then we talked about design, the design that is obvious, the intricate design without the, throughout the universe that is obvious for our observation, and the design that is obvious within our own earth on which we live. Well, we made the point, and this is accepted universally across the board by everybody. Intelligent design requires an intelligent designer. Now, we recognize that, we accept it without even thinking about it in all kinds of physical planes of knowledge and understanding. A house does not just happen. A house has obvious intelligent design, and so there was an intelligent designer behind the design that ultimately resulted in the construction of that house. We can say the same thing about an automobile, an airplane, helicopter, a bridge. You can go on down the line. It's indisputable. Well, there's obvious, far more intricate design in the universe and in this world in which we live 
than what we would see in a bridge or an automobile or an airplane or a helicopter or a house. Design demands a designer, and the designer of the universe is God. In this last section, we're talking about hope, real hope. Now, a lot of people use that word hope in a rather fanciful way, and they talk about how well, I hope this happens, or I hope that happens, or I hope I can do this, or I hope I can go there. But that's a wish, that's a dream, and in many cases it's unrealistic because it's kind of wild in, as far as what they're hoping for or hoping to happen. But hope that is taught in the scriptures is a desire, certainly, but it is connected to or coupled with the expectation of the fulfillment, the absolute expectation of the fulfillment of the desire. Hope is a motivating and sustaining force in life. Without hope, our life would be absolutely miserable. Hope makes life worth living. It gives our life direction and purpose and meaning. And without hope, without that kind of hope, well, we would live a hopeless existence, wouldn't we? In Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul wrote, describing God as the God of hope. Not a God of hope, the God of hope. So we may abound in hope, he goes on to say. Abound in what hope? The real hope the hope that comes from believing in and following God faithfully that he offers to us. The Apostle Paul, facing possible execution for his being a Christian and teaching the gospel, because of the hope promised by God, stood before those examiners, the Roman governor, the king of Judea, with confidence that God will ultimately make that hope reality. He had confidence that it would come to be, that it was a real hope based upon a promise from God. Well, the hope of eternal life is promised by God who cannot lie. Titus 1 and verse 2. Titus 3 and verse 7. We talked about, we read in Romans chapter 4, verses 17 through 22, about Abraham, who was promised by God a son through whose bloodline the nations of the earth would be blessed. In fact, God said, through your bloodline, kings are going to come into being. But Abraham had no son. His wife, Sarah, had, was barren. She had never borne any children. And when God made this promise to Abraham, he was about 75 years old, and his wife was 65 years old, past the age of bearing children. And God waited 25 years to fulfill his promise to Abraham and his wife, Sarah. And indeed, she conceived through Abraham and bore a son, Isaac. And Isaac's son was Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons who became the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel, and Israel grew into a mighty nation, and through the bloodline of Israel, 
Jesus came into the world to bring the gospel message of salvation from the throne room in heaven through which all the nations of the earth can be blessed. As they believe that message of salvation through Jesus Christ and become Christians. Oh my. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8, we read this. But let us who let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Well, Paul uses a couple of different times, at least in his various letters, the images of the elements or implements of armor that warriors would put on, soldiers would wear when they would go into battle. And he makes spiritual application to those various implements of armor. And so here he talks about putting on the breastplate of faith and love, breastplate being that shield of armor across the chest of the warrior, protecting him against inflicted Uh, thrusts from swords and spears and arrows because, of course, the internal organ most vital inside the chest is the heart. And if it is pierced, that soldier is going to die. The breastplate of faith and love, but the helmet of the hope of salvation. The helmet covering the head that houses the brain And of course, if the skull is split sufficient, the brain is is injured and the, the soldier dies. But the hope of salvation, the breastplate of faith and love, those are our protections against all the wiles of the devil that he throws against us, trying to lead us away from God and into sin, through which ultimately our souls would be condemned to hell for all of eternity. But God offers us, through faith, through, the, through his love for us, the Savior. And the Savior brought us that hope of salvation. And all of these protect us, again, from the dangers of the devil trying to bring us down and trying to lead us to eternal condemnation. As we face the challenges of life, and the devil can work through all kinds of avenues, it's not just overt temptation to commit some obvious sinful act. But he can work through physical ailments, through injuries, through loss of finances, through the death of loved ones, work on us emotionally, psychologically, trying to weaken our faith in God and our resolve to stay faithful to our loving Father. As we face the challenges of life, our hope of salvation is likened to a protective helmet worn by a soldier going into battle. And the love of God and our love reciprocated to him and our faith in him to keep his word, to be faithful to us, all that protects us again, more thoroughly even, more completely against all that the devil will do to try to bring us away from God and into unfaithfulness and condemnation. When we turn to when we turn to Hebrews chapter six, Hebrews chapter six, and I want us to look at verses eighteen and nineteen. And here, the Hebrews writer 
wrote this, and notice how he describes hope. Verses 18 and 19. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, now remember, he has promised us the hope of salvation, and that was assured us if we will come to him and walk with him in faithful obedience consistently by God who cannot lie. Well, here the Hebrews writer brings out that point again. By two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. That hope is eternal life with God in heaven. He goes on then in verse 19 and says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence before the veil. This hope is not wishy-washy. It's not a wild dream, an unrealistic desire. It is a promise from God. It is a hope that is real, as real as our faith in him. And faith is based on substance and evidence, Hebrews 11 and verse 1. God offers us, extends to, this, this, to us this hope. It is there for us, eternal life. Now, when the challenges of life, the difficulties of life, the dangers of life, the setbacks of life in this world, in our physical bodies, confront us, well, we look forward. We can move ahead because as true Christians, faithful Christians before God, we're looking forward. We're motivated by our life has meaning based upon a hope that God promises us. A home with him in heaven wherein we will never suffer again with pain or sickness or have to fear dying, but will always be there in his presence, taken care of, blessed, completely completely different and opposite of what people who are not walking with God in this life can expect and what they experience. I've often voiced my wonder to people over many, many, many years. I don't know how people without God truly in their lives, not just somebody who says, oh, I believe in God, oh, I love God, but they're not living a godly life. I've wondered how people without God in their lives, how they make it through life. Where is their direction? Where is their hope? God offers us a, an abundant hope that the Hebrews writer says there in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19 is the anchor of our soul. My, how humanity needs that anchor, that hope. But that hope only comes from God and only comes in connection with living faithfully before God and serving him in this physical life. The gospel of Christ is the message of hope. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 5, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, 
of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Well, imagine someone who is absolutely down and out. They've lost their job. They have no income. They have no savings. Shortly after receiving that particular news, their home catches on fire. There is no equity, or maybe they just lived in an apartment, and now they have no place to go. The clothes they have on their back are all that they have left. Their valuables have been burned up, whatever valuables they were. No food, no place to go, no home. And then, in the face of all this, they have already been dealing with serious, maybe catastrophic illness within the family. Where's their hope? Where can they look to for hope? The Christian has accepted the ultimate message of hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ, demonstrating how much God loves us, how he loves us so much that he sent his son to that cross to die as the perfect sacrifice to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, John 3.16, Romans 5 and verse 8. And that as we come to him through Jesus Christ, he offers us, no, he promises us forgiveness of our sins and the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. But he also promises us, assures us of eternal life with him in heaven. The rest of Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And also, God promises to be with that person, to watch over them and take care of them in the face of whatever challenges this life might throw at them. People need that hope. They need that meaning and protection and purpose in life. How about you? Let's pray. Father, Thank you for offering us this hope. Help us. Help us to respond in the most sensible and logical fashion by coming to you and embracing that hope, repenting of our sins, confessing our faith in Christ as our Savior, and being baptized so the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse us of the guilt of our sins and we will be reborn spiritually unto eternal life. Help us, Father. Help everybody see that message of hope and embrace it. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.